1: Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. I'm your host Sam Morse and we have just had the Divisional round. And as always, it was probably one of the best weekends in the NFL season. Joining me to break it all down, all four games on the Divisional weekend, is the one and only Mr Liam Morsey back on the podcast again. And I'm sure he's very, very happy after after the Chiefs won. But yeah, it's great to have you on again, Liam.
0: Yeah, cheers, mate. Great to be on. Um, pretty tired after uh, last night's game, but uh, yeah, good good games to chat about today. It's the first time we've spoke since uh, Dolphins Chiefs as well, so
1: glad you actually invited yeah, yeah. me
0: back on. I was worried I'd be banned until next season, so it's good <laughs> to be back on.
1: No, I was uh, I was expecting it, so uh, so yeah, it's um, <laughs> I d- I don't I don't really I I am I'm, I'm okay talking to you now, mate. That's that's all that's all fine. <laughs> uh, before we uh, before we get on to the four games, we'll uh, we'll do a little bit of talk as uh, as uh, it has been announced that. Uh, Brian Callahan, the Bengals' offensive coordinator, has just been hired as the Titans' head coach. Uh, in the next person to be head coach after the shock firing of Mike Vrabel a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, Liam, this is a I wasn't really expecting this one. He's been in the, the coaching you know interviews for a while, the last couple of years, but um, yeah, it's a I I was expecting him to go after. Um, well, an offensive guard, maybe, maybe someone like Bobby Slowik. To be fair, but yeah, they've gone for they've gone for Callahan. What's your what's your thought on this uh, this hire?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit out of left field, but like you said, he's had loads of interviews the last two years, so he must interview well and kind of be well known around NFL circles more than kind of the average fan, I would say. Um, and I think this is a bit of a weird year for it because the the level of coaches that are available to hire. Obviously, they're not mm. going to hire back Vrabel, but just as an example, Vrabel, you've got Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald from, from the Ravens, who hasn't had many interviews. Um, you'd think maybe this was the year you'd go for a kind of a bigger name, but he must have done well in the interview process. Um, I actually think it's a good hire in terms of, if you look this year, especially this year, the offense was actually quite good for the Bengals with a worst player. Do you know what I mean? Like the first year that he was mm. there, it was very oh. much just. I don't want to say this because Bengals fans also hate it, but the offense wasn't very good schematically. It was just like, we've got so many good players, are we just going to win and score loads of points? Because Burrow reads the pre-snap defense, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, one of them will get open, we will throw the ball down the field and we will win games. But this year, he did a really, really good job. Um, the only worry for them is he just, he's never called plays, so he's the offensive coordinator, but mm. Zach Taylor still calls the plays. So can he kind of make that step up? Will he still call all the plays? Will he not? I think that would be the interesting part to see. But, yeah, he's been a name kind of recognised for a while, did really well this year. So, in theory, I think it could be a good hire, but I guess it just caught me a little bit a little bit off guard. Now, if he brings his dad in with him, who's one of the best offensive line coaches to ever live, he currently yes. uh, is the O-line coach, I think, for the Browns. Um, if he brings mm-hmm. him in, it's an even better hire because he can coordinate the run game like he's done for years everywhere he's been and the pass protection game for, for blitzes and the offensive line there, which is not very good at the moment, can then grow and be good. So if that if he comes with him, I think it could be a great hire. But if he doesn't, we'll have to just see because uh, yeah, he's not the most well known in terms of schematically. But yeah, he had a good year this year, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, we're interested to see how the Titans' offense looks next year as well because no Derek Henry, you'd assume and uh, and they probably they will be encouraged, but most sort often leave it down the stretch as well. So I suspect he probably had a plan for Levers as well going into the interview.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which is quite odd, actually, because Burroughs throws a lot in the middle of the field, uh, kind of tight window throws. Will Levis, not his kind of special specialty, really, the struggle in tight windows, struggles reading defences. So it's a different quarterback to what Callahan's used to. Like you said, he would have gone in with a plan in the interview, whether that plan is we need someone else. That could be the plan. But if yeah, what you'd have gone into a plan saying, this is what I want, this is how I think we can get there. This is how long I think it will take, and obviously, Titan's brass thought, "Yeah, I like the idea of that." um From all accounts, he's a very good person, very good leader, very good at talking to the team, kind of quite relatable. Now, Vrabel is a good leader too, but a different style of person. He's very mm-hmm. much more kind yeah. of aggressive and headstrong. So, the GM slash owner probably wanted a different type of personality there as well. So, we'll see. But yeah, you're right. He would have had a plan with uh, with the QB, uh, and then they'll have a plan. I'd probably give him two years. I would imagine. I'd be surprised if it's a one and done. When he's kind of uh, such a young, up and coming coach in the NFL, but um, yeah, we'll have to see. I like the fact they've gone offense rather than, than defensive coach, I think yeah. that makes a lot of sense.
1: A lot of the time, as well, if you're firing a, a good defensive guy like Vrabel or you know, like Pete Carroll, or Belichick, for example, you're probably going for an offensive guy, you just want to move to a completely different, different direction. And I thought, I thought that Tennessee would do that as well, so uh, yeah, it makes sense in that part. We'll see, we'll see how he um, we'll see how he fares. Anyway, right, let's get on to talking about these games. We're going quarter-inch quarters. We start the game on Saturday. Uh, We're between the Baltimore Ravens and the Houston Texans. And in this one, MVP favourite Lamar Jackson showed off his dual-threat ability uh, as the Ravens set up a home AFC Championship game for a win over the Houston Texans. Uh, The the start of the show was Jackson as I said he 3 for 2 touchdowns and he ran for 2 more as well with 152 yards in the air and 100 yards on the ground on their way to victory uh, I was actually watching this game in London I was out, I was uh, away for a family celebration this weekend uh, so uh, <laughs> it was a close game uh, a low scoring one score Um one score game at the start of the fourth quarter with the Ravens driving uh, to go and score again, but it took control at the end. And that was around the same time that I left uh, to go from the from Central London to the hotel, staying out. And by the time I was off the tube and back to the hotel, it was a three-score game, and the game just, the, the Ravens just t- turned it on like that. <laughs> Lamar hit Isaiah likely for a 15-yard touchdown to extend the Ravens' lead to two scores at the start of the fourth quarter before running in for his second touchdown on the ground with six minutes remaining. Um, it wasn't the best game to kick off the, the divisional round, but it was certainly a lot of talking points. And Lamar was just brilliant, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he was good. Yeah, very good down the stretch, using his legs as well. Um, also very good mentally, because obviously that story's come out now that he went to the coaches at half-time and said we need to stop throwing the ball deep. We need to start mm. the kind of short passing game, run the football, uh, and kind of get the offence going a little bit. And that was... Rumours are that was his views and uh, the coaches listened to him and it obviously worked. So, yeah, he was the star of the show. Um, I think he scored two touchdowns and they had, what, uh, only 152 yards in the air, but over 100 yards on the ground. And second half, they just kind of dominated the clock if you look at time of possession. So, yeah, he was very, very good. thought their defence was was good. Um, The front four slash five when they blitzed, I thought were really, really good. Uh, gave mm-hmm. CJ a lot of problems, gave the offensive line a lot of problems. But uh, it was interesting because it wasn't the best game, but the first half I thought was quite fun. It was quite sloppy. Uh, Texans had a great plan coming into it. Like I said, Ravens adjusted second half. but first half I thought, oh, the weekend's kicking off to a great start. And then, yeah, second half, Texans were just kind of overwhelmed. It was, it's happened to Baltimore all year. They've really dominated second halves of games or two quarters in a mm-hmm. row, which, whether that's second and third, first and second, third and fourth. They've just kind of dominated teams for a little stretch. Scored 21 points, 17 points, and the game's over. And the same thing happened here. But, yeah, Texas shouldn't be kind of uh, sad with their performance. It just didn't quite work out well. If you look at that, 11 penalties accepted. It was just too big for them, unfortunately. And the Ravens were showed they were the more experienced team. But, yeah, you're right. Lamar was definitely a star of the show.
1: Certainly. And uh, that piled the Ravens to their... Oh, so another big victory, another game... Uh, get, another victory against a big, you know, Winning record team, of course, it's in the playoffs, so they're all going to win records. But yeah, they had six wins against teams of winning records in the regular season, and they silenced the doubters once more in the playoffs coming into this one with that uh, with that win. Uh, because before this game they were one and four in the playoffs since they sort of returned regularly in 2018, um, which was coincided with when they drafted Lamar Jackson. The one and three of Lamar because Tyler Huntley started the game last year, uh, and despite and he also got injured in one-some as well. But um, you know, despite having some super talented teams and getting the one seed. In uh, in his last MVP season, the Ravens have struggled in the playoffs. But this team is different, isn't it? And they showed that uh, they showed well all season, and really in this game as well. They they showed that they they're just so good everywhere, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they are a very good team. I think what showed this year compared to other years is how good both their coordinators are as well. Offensive and defensive coordinators are very good. I mentioned Mike McDonald earlier in the head coach chat. He should be a head coach. He's their DC. Uh, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin's done it all, college level, NFL, mm. much better than Greg Roman. And you just kind of saw in this game that they could actually play two or three different ways. They didn't need to just be the same way. But the same way, doesn't work. In a playoff game, we've only got 20, 30 minutes left to adjust. Whereas Todd Munkin could have let kind of Lamar and Jim, uh, Jim John Harbaugh adjust on the, uh, on the fly. So yeah, much better team than they've had before. Still started slow, which I think probably something most people in their preview pods were talking about. Another year with the bye, well, they start slow and they did actually start slow, didn't have loads of sets in the air, but they can win a game multiple ways special teams, defense, running the ball, throwing the ball if they need to. Uh, yeah, and they looked really, really dominant. But I think some of this was more the Texans just being a year too early as well, which I think mm. you could tell as the game kind of worn on, to be honest.
1: Certainly, uh, as you mentioned as well earlier, the, the Ravens controlled the clock with almost 40 to- minutes' time of possession, uh, 229 uh-huh. yards. Uh, yeah. On the ground, but didn't really fund the end zone until the end. Uh, but as you mentioned earlier, the, the defensive line, for, actually, for both defenses played pretty well the first half. But um, the Houston defense forced yeah. the Ravens to four punts quite early on. Um, but it was the offense that let Houston done in the second half. Um, but yeah, as I said, numerically on Friday with with Ollie, I said that they are one of the best defenses ever because they lead in you know sacks per game, takeaways per game, you know everything that is important on defense. Um and. I mean, yeah, fair play to Mike McDonald As you, as you said earlier, the, the defensive coordinator, he's had some head coaching interviews. Um, mm. He's had a turnaround the last couple of years because last year, especially early on, the defence was the issue. Then they made the trade for Roquan Smith and they sort of switched after. Um, you know, they've got a lot better down the stretch um, after Smith came in. And then this year, they've been excellent all year on defence. Um, and I, again, I, I mean, you mentioned he's not had many interviews. I mean, for me, I'd be giving him a head coaching job because he's had an outstanding year and I'm sure you feel the same, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the Falcons have still got an interview with him. Uh, a second interview with him next week, I think. Him and Ben Johnson, they can't interview till next week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are people out there that are interested. Um, but it's just more the Panthers and Titans that seem like they weren't as interested. Uh, and, yeah, I think both those teams could have done well on hiring him. It just depends what you want. Do you want an offensive or defensive mind? But, yeah, he's definitely a guy that should should get a chance. Even Todd Munkum, to be honest, another guy that college teams should look at for a head coach role. Done it in the pro game, done it in the college game. So, yeah, very good scheme. Defensively wise, obviously, he's got good players as well, but it's not like yeah. they're blessed with. No, they're the last blessed year, really they hard. had good
1: players and they weren't great. Like, this year, they've been significantly better than they were last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they're still not blessed with, like, they haven't got now Marlon Humphrey sewing so in and out. They haven't really got a number one corner. They haven't really they haven't got, got a, got a star one
1: pass rusher corner. either. Yeah. Like, no, that's the especially thing. On they the sacks. They get sacks by just you know by the committee pretty much, and it works though. You know, they have the most sacks yeah, in the league, but... so it does work,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does work, yeah. Very similar to the Eagles last year where they kind of spread it around a lot more. But I know the Eagles had a time, Reddit, because it's been more of a star name. But Justin Matabouquet is really good, defensive tackle, but on the edge, it's guys that a lot of teams would be like, oh, I that was our start before the season, okay, we're not going to get loads of sacks, but he's an okay player. Whereas when it comes to the Ravens, they've done this for Ten years, they get a pass rusher. He gets ten sacks. They let him walk. They get a compensatory pick, and then they go to the draft yeah. and draft another one. It's just been the story of the Ravens. But yeah, they're doing this without stars on that end. The difference is they've got star safety in Hamilton, star linebacker Rokon mm-hmm. Smith, and they're the two really that kind of take that defense to the to another level. Because all the other players, you'd be like, okay, we can pick on him, we can pick on him, but with those two plus, for me, the best defensive coordinator outside of maybe Spags and Belichick and the NFL drawing up game plans, yeah, it just leads to a really, really good defense. And what they don't do is they don't make many big mistakes. You could see that this week. Uh, If you look at how many times they had coverage busts, it was, yeah, nigh on ever. The only time they did was like Hmm. a 15, 20-yard pass. (laughs) So they're very sound on defense as well, Um, which they'll need to be if they want to win the Super Bowl, obviously. But yeah, for this game, the Texans just couldn't do enough, unfortunately. Uh, And the crowd noise seemed like it made a difference as well with all those 11 flags uh, i think six of them were on the offense as well for procedural penalties yeah. so not not good for the texas offense but yeah you're right ravens def- defense best in the league
1: certainly um and yeah you know, as i mentioned a disappointing way that the uh the, the texans season ended but this is only the start for their regime they're gonna be they're gonna be you know as i mentioned a year too early that They've got loads of cap room, so much cap room, um, so they can go out and get better. Uh, again, they've got, some, they've, got another, they've got a first-round pick this year because of the additional Watson trade as well. So they, they've they got capital capital to get better this year. Um, and, you know, this is only the start of what they're capable of, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And they also had injuries as well. The company wide receivers and defensive tackles they had out for this game. Offensive line
1: as well. They, I mean, Tontal came back, but their offensive line's been very injured as well, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, and obviously in this game, defensive tackles would have mattered for stopping the run. You need wide receivers against such a good defense just to try and keep them honest and have someone else to throw to isn't Nico Collins. So, yeah, they're in a great position. CJ Stroud was great all season, wasn't great to be honest in this game. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're just a year too early, probably two years in terms of actually trying to win something, but uh, yeah, loads of cap space, really good uh, position in the draft. Uh, in two years' time this year. Obviously, they're not going to have their first-round pick because of the Will Anderson trade, but uh, they've still got kind of enough assets to, to go at it. And to be honest, speaking of like head coaching candidates, even Bobby Slowick, their OC, probably also a year too early. It's kind of a year right. too early for the whole team. Because uh, you could see in this game, they're the 31st in the league at rushing on first down. The Ravens are the best rushing defence on first down. And what did they keep doing? Rushing it on first down <laughs> for one yard or minus one yard. And CJ Stroud was in second and ten second, 11, the whole game. I think even then you could tell, right, if that was, I don't know, if that was Andy Reid or Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, they're having a different plan on first down just to make sure they're not in second and 10 for the whole game. Whereas second half, they did the same on the first two drives. So yeah, they're in a great position, good coaching staff. D'Amico's has done an incredible job, but just another year of experience will will help them. Uh, And arguably they might be favoured next year to to win their division with, with how good CJ played.
1: Yeah, certainly. And, you know, seeing him next year, hopefully, you know, if Slough can stay as well, that'd be great for Stroud in the second year in yeah. the same system, same offensive play goal. That'd be uh, perfect for them as well. Uh, and, yeah, I don't think he'll be in the running for the top jobs. And if I'm him, I wouldn't take the Carolina job or, you, you know, like that that job, i just stay... I'd stay well clear of so, um, so yes, I, I, if I was in able to take on in Houston, um, as the Ravens, you know, they now go on to their first every Championship game since 2012, uh, the season that they won the Super Bowl, and there's a chance they could actually play the Niners again in that Super Bowl as well, which would be funny as they did that year, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, and just, just, um, that game as well, like, I mean, I, I had we'd re it again, and the rewatch was, uh, was just as, just as, um, You know, good, especially yeah. He mentioned in the first half as it was uh, the first time. Although I was a little bit intoxicated the first time I watched it, so so my memory is a bit a bit bit faded because because yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a heavy drinking session that night in London. Anyway, this next game, Packers Niners. I watched this game in the hotel. I watched most of it anyway. Then fell asleep. Uh, And in this game, the Niners made it back to back NFC Championship uh, game. Visits have to come from behind to beat the Packers. In this one, well, it means that Kyle Shanahan is now, uh, well, now three and zero against Matt Lefer in the playoffs after beating him once again. Uh, and this was the first of three games this weekend that came right down to the wire. It was a bit scrappy because of the weather; it was raining in San Francisco, um, and it was a close, low-scoring affair for a lot of it, as it was the last time these uh, these teams met in the playoffs as well a couple of years ago. Uh, but this game came alive in the third quarter. Uh, the Niners led 7-6 at half-time with Purdy's 32-yard throw to George Kittle being the only touchdown of the first half. Really nice throw from him as well. A lovely pocket movement to move to the right and then hit a right right in the money in front of Kittle for the touchdown. Um, and they also had a field goal blocked when time expired as well, so the Niners could have been three points up, uh, but Moody's field goal was blocked. Uh, but after half-time, uh, the, the Packers stopped San Francisco and took a six-point lead through a Jordan Love pass to a wide-open Bo Melton in the back of the end zone. Uh, and that from, this game, from that play, the third quarter and the rest of the game just exploded because the, the second half of this game was awesome. The Niners responded instantly with a big play to George Kittle, Uh that then set up a 39-yard Christian McCaffrey run through the middle of the Green Bay defence for a touchdown. Uh, and then the following kickoff, the Green Bay's all-pro punt returner Keyshawn Nixon had a 73-yard return, setting up the, uh, the Packers up with a great scoring opportunity at the 20-yard line as well, and the Packers took that opportunity. They reclaimed the lead with Tiger Craft catching Love's second touchdown of the game, and they converted the two-point conversion to to make it a 21-14 lead. Now, you think that's enough? No,pe. there's more, of course. We, we all watched the game at the end of the third quarter. The Niners, who had just punted, came away with a turnover after a third down miscommunication with Love and Tucker Craft, which, which saw Drain, a Drake, Drain? Dre Greenlaw intercept the, the ball that Craft tipped up. Uh, just just couldn't quite grab the football. Uh, and the Niners scored off that interception with a 52-yard Jake Moody field goal uh, to reduce the deficit to four points. Uh, and with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Anders Carlson had a 41-yard field goal to make it a seven-point game, with the Niners leading to score on the final drive to take a game to overtime, and if not the Packers, who are certainly holding their own in this game, uh, they could have, if they even missed a kick, they could have got picked at the final hurdle, and that they were, because Carlson's attempt was wide left, and the Christian McCaffrey made them pay, running in for a second touchdown of a minute left to take the lead. Uh, a nice drive from Grok Purdy, and well, mostly the, uh, the skill players around him, uh, on that final drive to take down as much clock as possible, and win the game for the Niners. Well, it was, he scored, and then, with a minute left, it gave the Packers uh one more opportunity to get get uh get out of the field. And it was Dre Green or again who intercepted Jordan Love uh for the second time to ice the game after a poor throw on his back foot. Um and that set up the a home NFC Championship game for the San Francisco 49ers. It wasn't pretty, but they got there, didn't they?
0: Yeah, it definitely wasn't pretty. Uh but <laughs> yeah, they got there. I think obviously everyone talks about Certain teams get into the AFC title game a lot in a row, but I think they're three out of four at least now, if I'm I'm right, Mm -hmm. 49ers. Um, But, yeah, for me, uh, they were very lucky for this game. Packers were by far the better team. Uh, Mm -hmm. By far the better quarterback as well. He had three bad throws on the day, one where he missed a touchdown, two picks, uh, which, yeah, there was a miscommunication, but kind of seems like Matt LaFleur indicated that was on Jordan Love rather than Tucker Craft. And also then he could have just eaten that and not thrown throwing it the way he did. Like, if you look at it, he's released <laughs> the ball after Tucker's already moved. So <laughs> He still throws it even when he's kind of read the wrong side of the, the defence. So shouldn't have thrown that. The end one is a little... I'm not as even bothered about the end one. Yeah, any game-winning drive or tie and drive, you shouldn't throw across your body. He got a little bit too much with the comparisons to um, Mahomes that he'd heard probably in the week before trying to throw across his body 40 yards. But for me, it was the other one that was uh, the, the more of the issue. And they also got stopped on fourth down once, which
1: yes, was just yeah. a bad,
0: like, yeah, just a bad double play called the fourth down call was okay. But the third down run, I thought it was too obvious they were going to run it there and, and they just stuffed Aaron Jones. So I think a couple, like three or four decisions, just this didn't quite do enough. Uh, and then we all knew the Packers defense was going to give up yards to CMC on the ground. It's just what their weakest. Yeah. They start, they've oh, done yeah. This. yeah. They've yeah. done this for four it's... years or three years with, uh, with, with Barry, the, um, defensive coordinator so it was always going to happen you just wanted you needed your offense to win you the game and it looked like they were going to do that and then just a couple of silly errors unfortunately and obviously a missed field goal which he's done all year uh just led to them not quite getting it done but yeah 49ers win when they don't play well which good teams have to do uh but there were some signs in this game that worry me for next week if i was a 49ers fan definitely and definitely in the super bowl (laughs) because both afc teams defensive coordinators blitz you to death and uh mm. brock purdy was like at one point in this game was oh and six uh versus the blitz in the first half and yeah that would worry me if i was them but again it could just be the rain he's uh got very small hands and can't play football in the rain with that glove on and off they kept taking uh on and yeah. off the whole game but yeah it was a fun game to watch as a neutral because i didn't care about the result but i thought the Packs mm. deserved to win
1: yeah, and you mentioned it there. The Niners did look a little bit rusty. Would you say it's just because they've not played for three weeks, um, or would you would you say that's just just you know that the Packers had a good game plan? Would it would be it both maybe?
0: I'd say on offense, the weather probably had more to do with it for mm-hmm. for Brock Purdy, and I do think the game plan because the Packers don't blitz a lot normally, but they blitz a lot more in this game. So I think it's a little bit of both from that. The defense, I think, if you're the Forty Nineers, you have to hope is just rust because mm. the front four, which is four of the best names you'll get as a front four barely generated any pressure at times in this game against a good offensive line but not not an eagle's offensive line it's still a good but it's not great Mm. so yeah for me the offense was more because of the weather and obviously Debo samuel went off early and that probably impacted the game plan quite a bit um but defense that's the part where it's a bit like oh (laughs) that front four should get pressure about having to blitz but that wasn't the case jordan love kind of had time to throw it down the field in the first half so yeah we'll see what it looks like next week but yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about the offence as long as it's not raining. <laughs> but defence, I think they'll need a better plan from Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator, coming into this week. Because, yeah, if they thought the Packers could run the ball well, wait to see the Lions yeah. <laughs> try and run the ball well.
1: Exactly, we'll get to that later on. Um, yeah, as for the Packers, they'll, they'll, you mentioned it, they'll be really, really disappointed not to win this game. Um, yeah. But I think the way that Jordan Love's played the second half this year, and the way that I mean, to be fair, I think I'm been impressed with what LeFleur's done the second half of this year. Because the first half of the year, I didn't really get what he was doing, but play going cool. the second half of the year. He's sort of played to Love's strengths, and um, and yeah, like that. I think it's pretty safe to say that they won't. This won't be their you know only NFC divisional game. They'll be back here because yeah, with with what from what Love showed us, the second half of the year, they're uh, they're in for a bright future, future aren't they?
0: Yeah, definitely. Youngest offense in the NFL as well. So, mm. all the guys mm. around Jordan Love are really young. Uh, the offensive line's got a couple of older guys, but two of them don't play anymore. So, uh, mm. the offensive line will be around for a while. LeFleur will be here for a while. Um, so, yeah, they should make it back to this game. The defense is a bit of a different story because um, yeah, there's loads not of good been names great on the this year. <laughs> no, but. But also, it's a very expensive, good defense. If you read the names mm. out, so well they, they they've have drafted
1: first-round defense like every year for the past like however long, and you know you can only afford to pay yeah. some of those guys. So,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you've also got Jar Alexander's had his up and downs this season. Darnell Savage mm. dropped a pick six right in his chest in this game. Mm. Uh, so the defense, we'll see what it looks like. I think they should fire the DC, but they didn't fire the DC when they kind of should have won the Super Bowl with Rodgers. They kept him two years in a row. So I'd be surprised if LaFleur does it this year when they're kind of a bit more of an underdog story. But yeah, they'll be here again. LaFleur, I think, is one of, the, one of the better coaches. He's obviously from the Sean McVay-Shanahan tree, but he never gets kind mm. of put on their level. But if you actually look yeah. at the offense, he is very close to their level. Uh, I'd say his game management's not great, but none of them have actually got very good game management. No, um, uh, even Mark yeah. McDaniel
1: he again, his game management's awful as well. So, you know, all of them are.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even when they won the Super Bowl, McVeigh had so many kind of little fourth downs. Or it was like mm. fourth and one, and they're punting. And you're like, oh my god, why are you punting here? So, uh, yeah, they'll be back. Um, tough division. If you look at how young some of the other teams are going to be and how yeah. good the Lions are, but uh, yeah, they'll be back. They'll just be kicking themselves because they win this game. Mm. They yeah. know they can beat the Lions. Doesn't mean they will, but they know they can do. Can go into a game and beat the Lions. Then you win the Super Bowl, and anything can happen. So yeah, uh, they'll be back the Chiefs but, um, this
1: year. So. So there's no no team
0: that Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's difficult for for them. But they'll be back, and I think Jordan Love will probably get a a nice fat extension this year where the number starts for five for 50-odd million per year, probably. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what the off-season looks like for them. But, yeah, they're in a great position.
1: Awesome. Uh, and yeah, well, we'll finish off with the Niners. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, he suffered a shoulder injury in this one in the first half. He came back in, then he then he went back out again. Uh, he, he's considered fifty-fifty heading into the NFC Championship game next week. Um, the good news is it's it's not a fractured, uh, fractured shoulder. So that's great for him. Um, you know, obviously, they're they're a supremely talented team, but he's one of their difference makers. And going up against a Detroit team that's very good against the run, they're going to need him as you know as a receiver going into Sunday, aren't they? So hopefully, hopefully, he's uh, he's he's ready to go.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, if they want to win the Super Bowl, he needs to be he needs to be mm. healthy for me. Uh, the benefit for this week is they'll know if he's not going to play or not. Whereas it sounds like when you listen to Greg Olsen on the on the on the call, who gets a lot of inside information when they do their meetings, that Debo is going to be heavily featured in the game plan. So when he leaves straight away, your whole yeah. game plan you've already made is kind of out the window. At least this week they can say, right, he might not play, so let's make CMC and Ayuk the biggest part of the game plan, and if he plays, mm. it's a bonus. Um, but yeah, there'll be some big moments where it's third and one and you'd love to have Debo or a CMC run at the same time to kind of confuse the defense. But yeah, I think they can win that game without him. But yeah, Detroit will fans their chances much more if they're going into it with one less weapon to have to guard, um, for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. And we'll get we'll get into the lines now, because they are into their first NFC championship game in 32 years after a 23-31 win over the Buccaneers, who never held a lead in this game either. Uh, they had the chance to take a game to overtime on the final drive, uh, but Derek Barnes prevented the Tampa Bay comeback with an interception of Baker Mayfield when Tampa Bay were treading by eight points. Uh, the Bucks came out the two-minute warning with a boom, was set with what could have been a blockbuster ending, but on the second play of the drive, again, uh, Barnes ended Tampa Bay's season. Uh, and it was a weird game in which, in which Detroit can away winners, but I, I just it was just... I mean I always thought the Bucs were going to do something um but when but I always thought the lions were in control this but if you look at the you know the box score and all the all the numbers it was a really really close game um what were your thoughts after watching this one Liam
0: Yeah it was a close game there I think they scored three touchdowns in a row the lions and mm. if one of those is a field goal you could yeah. just almost feel like this game could have gone the other way to be um so yeah, I actually thought this game was really exciting really fun to watch I was trying to think about this before we press record. In each game, did the right team win? And this one's quite hard to decide because mm. the Bucks were quite good. Um, but if you look at some of it from a kind of offensive line perspective, they are two free rushes on Baker Mayfield, where he just gets nailed to the floor <laughs> instantly. They had a couple of coverage busts in the run game. Uh, they kind of left St. Brown open twice. Uh, mm. They kept running it. Sorry, they stopped running it even though they got the run to work, which is the first game all year the Bucks have been able to run the ball. And then they stopped in the second half. So I think arguably the Lions were the right team to win. um, But I thought the game was way better. This was the game where I was like, this could have been the blowout, to be honest. I thought the Texans would have held in more than they did. And this could be the game where it's a 20-point win. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a fun game. And at the end, they had the chance. And I didn't necessarily think they would go down and score, but I thought they'd get close enough to the end zone where we'd have an exciting finish. But unfortunately, Baker Mayfield did a very Baker throw. That That is basically yeah. the way he throws exceptions, is that that throw where he hasn't read the linebacker, throws it to the wrong side of the coverage and gets picked off by a, a, a linebacker that's known for stopping runs. That's not a linebacker that can cover people yeah. and he still managed to get a pick. So, yeah, exciting game, fun game, cool story with the Lions. Obviously, they'll have to go on the road, but yeah, they won't fear anyone. Mm. Uh, one thing that they're good at is game management, running the ball, something that Canterbury Hans' teams aren't great at going against, so they'll be very confident and very very excited for the game. But yeah, I thought this game was just fun. And the atmosphere was quality to, to to watch from home.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it it was really fun. It was just really weird as well. I like, it just didn't really go how I expected it to go. I mean, I I thought it'd be either a shootout or the Lions would absolutely absolutely just dominate the um the, the Bucks, and it wasn't wasn't really either. And if if anything, actually, the, the Bucks will be will be probably kicking themselves because. They the turnovers they had proved costly in the end. Of course, They you know they out the lions uh, they lost two to nothing in a turnover battle and uh, yeah Mayford's interceptions right at the start and right at the end of the game as well. Um, yeah. Sort of just <laughs> sort of just uh, weren't, weren't, weren't at the right if you know they're probably the worst number you can throw an interception to be honest with you. Um. Also, Chase McGroghan had a field goal that just that was like doinked out the post as well. Um. So yeah. so that again that's three points they could have had. Um. But yeah, they'll they'll be really really you know. I mean, look, the Bucks the fact they got this far, you know in, in general is is really impressive. But yeah, they'll be like the Packers, they'll be kicking themselves, won't they? Because it, again, it was right there for the taking.
0: Yeah, definitely. And they've got a lot of older players as well. Um, they're mm-hmm. not as young as the Packers. Uh, so there'll be a lot of players there where this was another chance for them. And they've been to the Super Bowl once. But exactly, three quarters yeah. of their starters on defense have already won mm-hmm. a Super Bowl. So uh for them it'll be a kind of a missed opportunity. I think they've got some big Free agents this year as well. A lot of the guys mm-hmm. probably and will probably leave because of the situation of the team. Obviously, Baker Mayfield. Will he be a starter next year? Will he not? This was an opportunity to win another playoff game and probably get paid a huge amount of money. So, yeah, a missed opportunity. But Todd Bowles has had a good year. Probably kept himself in a job where most people thought this could be the end of it. But yeah, similar to the Packers, when you're going into that fourth quarter, they're probably thinking, "Wow, we could." go and win this game and, and play in the playoffs. Uh, sorry, in the NFC title game. But unfortunately for them, they uh, they couldn't get it done. Uh, but yeah, the Lions played well. Um, I thought they started quite slow. Last week, they started fast and you could tell they were up for yeah. it. It almost felt like last week was a bit of an emotional free hit. Whereas this week, they probably felt a bit of pressure. They were like, okay, this is the team we should beat. We're large favourites. We're one game away from the title game. That could be against Green Bay or 49ers. But yeah, that they could say they're a bit tight. Jaragoff missed a couple of throws in the first quarter and then comes out fourth quarter and didn't miss a single throw. So, yeah, they played well, but Buccaneers definitely be uh, kicking themselves.
1: Absolutely. And the Bucks are a weird team now because... Um, well, actually, had a odd season. You know, you know, very streaky. You know, won loads of games in a row, lost loads of games in a row, and they ended up, uh, you know, winning the games at the right time to win the NFC South. As you mentioned, Todd Bowles a good year for him. He was in the hot, he was in the hot seat coming into uh, this year, but they were really well coached, especially down the stretch. They found some gems in the draft as well. Actually, they got some really nice young players on defense, like Yaya Diaby and Kalidicancy. Um, Diaby got injured in this one as well. Um, uh, and yeah, they're now a really interesting team to follow in This offseason, because as you mentioned, they've got lots of free agents on defense. A lot of the, the, the defense that uh, the players that won the Super Bowl, uh, and also Mike Evans as well. Um, you know, he had a really good game in this one, he you know, heavily targeted as well. He caught eight of 12 targets for 147 yards and a TD. But again, this could be his final game as a Buccaneer. Um, he's not expected to, to resign. It's pretty well known that he wants a lot of money. I don't think the Bucks can really pay him They've got a lot of cap print, but they've also got a lot of free agents. Um, so this could be the end of an era, couldn't it?
0: Yeah, so I do think he could resign there in the off-season just because they could offer him the most money if they don't sign other players that they want to re-sign. Uh, yeah. like Anton Winfield Jr., for example, is a safety, yeah. he's going to want a lot of money. If someone pays him a load of money, it could just get to the point where they're like, look, this is kind of the franchise guy. This is, yeah, like, and they haven't been blessed with quarterbacks. This is like their version of Tom Brady for the Patriots in terms yeah. of how well-loved he is, team. So I still think there's a chance he could return. I think the only other option for him is if a bad team pays him a lot of money. And will he want to do mm. that? Or will he think I'll oh, stay with the Bucks? Because what I don't think he'll get is I don't think he'll get a good team pay him a lot of money at his age. I think it'll be more like a one-year come in and win a Super Bowl. And if someone's offering three years, 90 million, <laughs> he might just be like, oh, stuff it. I'll just go sign for them. So, yeah, he could resign. I ho- I kind of hope he does go somewhere he can win a ring. Uh, he's definitely been the bu- best Buck of all time. Was it nine seasons he's been there? Nine 1,000-yard seasons. Yeah. One So Bowl. consistent. Yeah, it wasn't amazing in the Super Bowl, but in the two games before that and the playoffs, he was absolutely nails and caught. I think he was like six for six on those two games for for, for passes over 20 yards. So, um, yeah, hell of a player. We'll see what he does. But, yeah, he is their kind of story. And I think if they don't sign Baker Mayfield and they go draft QB, I just do think there's an argument to say let's pay him a load of money. He might be rubbish in his last year of that deal. but we know the young QB is going to have a good down the field weapon for at least one year. And our fans absolutely love him and we'll spend money buying tickets and, and buying jerseys. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but I hope he does go to a contender. Cause I think he deserves a chance of a, of another ring, but yeah, we'll see. They've got loads of, loads of free agents.
1: Yeah. And as for Baker, like, you know, um, if, if Evans goes, do you think he'd be less likely to resign? Or do you think the, like, it's, the Bucks have said that like, Todd Bowles has said that they want him back. And Baker said that he would go back, but, um, you know, he's, a, he's a free agent now after this one year go out and prove it deal. He played very well in his prove it deal. Do you, do you think other teams will be sniffing around him? Or what do you think happens with Baker in the offseason?
0: Yeah, I feel like his best contracts will probably come from Tampa Bay because there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't see. And if Todd Bowles thinks he's a good leader and he's helped the young guys and all the kind of intangibles, then Todd Bowles is an old school head coach. Mm. He's going to want Baker to stay. Now, if they try and offer him another prove-it deal, I'm talking a one plus one, maybe Baker says, uh, let me go to the Vikings or the Falcons with Bill Belichick or whoever to try and have a chance of winning the Super Bowl. But I think if they offer him a two-, three-year real contract, Geno Smith-type money, then, yeah, he'd be stupid not to sign because he played really well this year, but I don't think he's that good. So, I think if you think about your own career here and you get a three-year deal and it's guaranteed money, but for two of the three, I think you should you should do the deal. So my guess would be he signs for the Bucks. The only way he wouldn't, I think, is if their GM says, let's trade up in the draft and draft a young QB. But now they've gotten the playoffs, their pick's a lot lot worse than it would have been. So yeah, my prediction would be he would stay with Tampa Bay on a two or three-year deal. Um, but yeah, if I'm a Vikings or a Falcons or someone with good weapons, no real path to move up in the draft without spending everything we own, I'd be tempted to go at him for one year. But I think he'll re-sign with the Bucks on a Two
1: three year deal. Okay, uh, and going back to Detroit, uh, me and Ollie said on Friday that if one team can establish run, they're winning this game because both teams are very good against the run. Um, and in that case, it was Detroit. Uh, they found you mentioned earlier in the podcast how good they are running the ball. They found some success with Jameer Gibbs uh, scoring two rushing touchdowns, Um, and uh, and, that, and that's despite a game, you know, being a game with. Uh, both QBs having over 40 passing attempts it's, it's, again it's an cool. odd game um, but yeah as, as, you know, as for them obviously, you know, they're in the NFC Championship game now if yeah, it was so weird even saying that uh, but I don't think it could have happened to a better franchise could have because they've been waiting for so long
0: yeah definitely uh, I think it's good for the neutrals as well uh, I don't know many people Absolutely. who have won the 49ers to win the game um, mm-hmm. is it the best NFC title game we could have got mm, I'm not sure in the lot the Rams, if you even look at this game, look how much better the Rams played than like yeah. than the Buccaneers. Did. There's an argument that they played their hardest game in the first round. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Dan Campbell's the perfect coach to go on the road against the one seed because they are 100% having a fake punt, they are 100% going for it on fourth and five, they're 100% having a flea flicker. Like, what two or three of these things are going to happen because Dan Campbell is just an aggressive head coach, he follows analytics. He understands when his team's an underdog, when they're a favourite, how to go and win a game. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great story. Cool story for Jared Goff as well. Uh, and they've got loads of likeable players. Armand Rosset and Browns, cool. Everyone loves Jameer Gibbs. Aiden Hutchinson's a little bit kind of J.J. Watt-ish, all-American uh, kind of guy that's not the most likeable. But uh, there's other players on the defence, like C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Everyone finds him like hysterical to, to watch him kind of yapper into quarterback. So, yeah, yeah.
1: it's a
0: great story actually win i think if the bucks win this game the nfc title game is a game that no one wants to stay up and watch to be honest because you know what's going to happen now the lions have won it makes the game more interesting so yeah should be a a good story and their fans deserve it because they've been kind of one of the worst teams in the last 50 years before dan campbell turned (laughs) up and he's turned them into an nfc contender for however long they keep drafting well and have someone on the center they believe in so yeah
1: yeah, well, we've only won four playoff games since nineteen fifty seven. So that's a very, very poor record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's a you know obviously that's seventy odd years. Like that's, that's a long, long time. Um, yeah. Without crazy. um, you know, with only four playoff wins in in that time, and as you mentioned as well, Fred Page to Jared Goff as our well, like last two games. Um, when he's needed to step up, he has stepped up. Which is you know, in in big games previously, he has sort of shrunk a little bit. Uh, so last week he he stepped up when needed. Uh, in the first half and in this in in this game as well, in the second half, I'd tell you really good. Um, as well. Um, and fair play to Ben Johnson as well. Obviously, the play calling he's had this year, like. Both pass and run has been awesome, um, and in the playoffs, going into the playoffs, nothing's changed either. And you know their defense, although it gives, you know, it just love to give up a lot of passing yards, and that's you know, they're yeah, one of big plays as well. Yeah, yeah, big one of the worst teams in the league against the pass, but like they're they're quite good situationally. know yeah, the defensive line's been great as well. You mentioned Hutchinson; he's like their face of the franchise, pretty much. Like obviously, he's the guy who's yeah, getting yeah. interviewed after the games and everything, um, rather than the quarterback, and um, <laughs> yeah, and it's great against the run as well. Like it's great against the QBs great against everyone and yeah the only thing that worries me against you know going into the game next week against nine is the fact that nine is like are very good on offense so so maybe we might see quite a lot of big plays there which size has a, has a a nice ring to it um i'm just fascinated to see the game now because i don't know about you but i think they've certainly got a shot
0: yeah obviously you'll do a preview pod later in the week um mm. so i suppose i can give my takes out for out because it doesn't really matter because i'm not going to be on that one but I do think we could see another Lions win next week. Yeah, uh, I do think we can, and I do. We've mentioned it twice now, but I do think people don't want to talk about this, especially if you're like a casual fan. But game management is massively important in the super, in playoff games, and who do I trust to get that right? Out of the two head coaches, regardless of how good one of the head coaches is at calling plays, Dan Campbell is going to be so prepared and so aggressive. Yeah, okay, if that fourth and five doesn't get converted, they might lose and. We'll do a review pod and it'll be like, oh, what they should have punted. They lost the game. But <laughs> nine times out of ten, Dan Campbell and his team, analytics team, make the right decisions. So I think they've got a hell of a hell of a shot. I'd be surprised if it was the blowout in that game. Either way, I'd be very surprised. So I think we're going to get a fun game. I think there'll be loads of points scored um and some big plays as well. But yeah, they got a they've got a shot. And uh I quite like that it's on the road as well, because I just feel like on the road they're just gonna be like super motivated and super aggressive mm. look how hard they were hitting some of these Bucks receivers in this game like cj garner johnson alec anzalone they're going to be nightmares to play against if you're the 49ers so yeah should be a fun game and as long as jared goff doesn't do old school jared goff things then yeah they've got a hell of a chance because how many times has he played the 49ers twice a season Lose. three times mm. a season for four, three, four years five years nearly um so yeah, they know him and know his weaknesses, which is the worry. But yeah, it's strength on strength really for both these two teams. So yeah, should be a, should be a fun
1: game. Awesome. And then we'll finish with we'll finish with a big one uh, where Kansas City made it six AFC Championship games in a row, outdrawing the Bills in a game that certainly lived up to the hype with a very dramatic ending. As always when these two teams meet it came down to the very end with, with Buffalo 27-24 down but finding some offensive 8 minutes remaining. They marched down to just outside the end zone on a 6 minute drive but they were stopped by the Chiefs setting up a 4 and 9 situation down 3 of under 2 minutes left. And an upstop t- uh, Tyler Bass to tie the game and give the Chiefs one final drive to win the game. But that wasn't needed when the Bass's 45 yard, sorry, 44 yard attempt sailed right of the uprights and ended the Bills season that also meant that Patrick Mahomes is now one zero away from home in the playoffs after paying his first postseason game outside of Arrowhead. Um, his sixteenth playoff game. Obviously, some of those are Super Bowls, but uh, you know, this game especially was just so fun. The first half actually went super quickly. Um, the, the Bills found a yeah. lot of success running the ball early Uh, you know felt like the first half was over in about an hour <laughs> and they had the lead 17-13 uh, at half time after two second quarter Josh Allen rushing touchdowns uh, the second half began with a bang as Mahomes and Kelsey broke Brady and Gronk's record for uh, the most postseason touchdowns after tying it in the first half Um but uh, yeah after that it just it just got even more crazy because Josh Allen hit Khalil Shakir for a 13-yard touchdown towards the end of the third before Isaiah Pacheco rushed for a 4-yard score to start the fourth quarter and that ended up being the winning touchdown for the Chiefs, but the remaining the remaining 40 minutes was certainly dramatic, you know, because on the next drive Buffalo went for a weird Demar Hamlin fake punt after the Chiefs forced a three and out, and they were stopped. And then the very next play Isaiah Pacheco put the Chiefs in the red zone uh, down to the, almost the goal line with a with a long run down to the three, and it looked like Miko Harbin had put the Chiefs up three uh, two scores, uh, but the ball came out before he broke the plane and fumbled over, resulting in a touchback. Uh, and two points later the, the Bills you know back on offense again. They only need a field goal to <laughs> take games over time and they went on that long drive and yeah <laughs> that that you know they, they need us a football through a fumble they carried on after that recovered they got got to move down the field and they came unstuck in the red just outside the red zone um they have a few key Josh Allen incompletions there's, you know, there's a lot of talk whether he should have passed the, through the check down to Stephon Diggs or not um but they he went he went to, for the shot in the middle of the field instead um, and yeah they were forced to, for the field goal and the rest was history um and with, with that, the Chiefs are now back in the AFC Championship game, despite so many issues not on offense throughout the season. But in the postseason, they found what was needed, and Liam, you've done it again. I'm, I'm sure you're 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 buzzing after after that win.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously Super Bowls are great, but that was one of the best non-Super Bowl wins that I've watched in uh, my time supporting the Chiefs. To be honest, it was. I think the road part was key, like making mm. it a fun game. Obviously, the element of people down in the team all season even probably chiefs fans down the team all season so uh yeah it was one of the most fun games that i've watched as a fan it probably was as good as that game two years ago when Mm. there was 21 or 35 points scored after the two minute warning so in theory it doesn't look as fun but if you actually watch this game Mm. it is as entertaining the only reason there wasn't as many points is because the bills were just taking nine minute drives whereas that year mm. they were either punting or they were scoring in two minutes if you go back and watch that game it was either a punt or josh allen was throwing it deep to someone after three minutes and then they'd score so yeah for me it was a really fun game obviously my team lost i'd have been good i said to my friends on a group chat before uh like if i could pick any game to lose it wouldn't have been this game like, i'd rather lose to the ravens or i'd rather lose in the super bowl i think the bill's rivalry and josh allen obviously second-best quarterback in the league, there's always a bit of Mahomes-Allen chat. So as a Chiefs fan, this was the game not to lose. So yeah, it was really fun. And uh, one cool stat for this is, this was the most yards per play in any Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, or Payne Manning playoff game in history. That's how good the offense was in this this game, Mm. (laughs) which is absolutely crazy. Uh, If you take the kneel downs out, I think it goes field goal, touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, and. Obviously, then they had the, the punt at the end of the game and the turnover as well. So, yeah, they could have scored on every drive. The offense looked incredible. Um, two weeks in a row, to be honest, the offenses looked good. But last week, everyone thought it was just because of the defensive line injuries to Miami. But this week, they were even better. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, bit of a worry watching it on the, other, on the other way. Like, as a Chiefs fan, you're sat there like, OK, if this was my team, I'd rather just score. But I can see why the Bills are taking as much time as possible. But logically, they should have just tried to score. They've spent too much time worrying about the clock. But because the first half went the way it did, you could tell their head coach and offensive coordinator were like, yeah, we'll just do it this way and we'll win the game. But unfortunately, when you get to the two-minute warning, you've still got 30 yards to go. You've put yourself in a position where it's very hard to win that game. Your, your best chance is probably a field goal. And if you watched it on TV, the wind's just swirling all over the place. So, yeah, mm. it was a great game. Uh can't blame josh allen in my opinion uh for the loss but i would take some umbridge if i was a bills fan to the head coach because it works first half but second half the plan of just running down the clock was not working so i would want to swap back and have a more real normal offense but they would just still run 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 <laughs> the whole game and uh yeah patrick mahomes uh does it again i quite like mahomes when he's the villain it's quite fun
1: <laughs> yeah, literally, every everyone, everyone um, well, probably wanted the Bills to win this game just because certainly, yeah. certainly in this house, like Char- Charlie, uh, yeah, watching the game with Charlie was just so funny because he's a Broncos fan. So he, he was, he, he was, um, yeah, he absolutely hates the Chiefs. So it was, um, I mean, I, I mean, I, as as someone who supports the Dolphins, I, I, I'm very grateful the Chiefs did win this game, especially as the Chiefs knocked out the Dolphins as well. So, so um, but yeah, no, is is just conflicting. Uh, uh, Moods in 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 the in the house as the as the the game went on 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 uh, last night. But
0: who, who did you uh, who did you pick to win?
1: I I picked the Chiefs. So um, we both me and Ollie picked the Chiefs on Friday. So we uh we, we both went four for four. So I I don't I don't mind that. It's, after after last week I I went um, I sorry, yeah the division round sorry the wildcard round I went. Two of six, so I um, <laughs> yeah I think my um my, my picks were, were much better uh this week. Got a comeback, that's good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, just it, you know, we'll sit the Chiefs. In interesting week for the Kelsey clan. Um, we saw them all there on Sunday night with Taylor Swift in in in, in the box and Buffalo. Uh, Jason Kelsey certainly made the headlines over <laughs> celebration of, of, uh, of the second touchdown from Tra- yeah. from Travis. Obviously, that's the that time him and Pat break the record. Um, there's a lot of talk on social media about the uh. Travis potentially joining Jason Kelsey in retirement. It's not the greatest of seasons, but it's sort of, certainly a lock for the Hall of Fame. Um, and we saw why in this game, didn't we?
0: Yeah, he was great. he has been great. He was great last week as well. Uh, yeah, last two weeks, certainly. Yeah, the third and fourth quarter, you get the whole, some national podcast, if anyone listens to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast here, you get takes like this all the time. But they were like, oh yeah, second half, Kelsey kind of is too old, he can't do anything. It's like, well, no, <laughs> the other team's, after he has a first half like that, they have to put three players on him, which is what they did this week. And then you just see MVS kind of streaking open down the field. Pacheco being able to run the ball, so it all starts and ends with uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, and I think the week off, where he didn't get the thousand yard season, uh, after that Chargers game has done him all the good, all the world of good. Like Andy Reid spoke about it. He spoke about how much healthier he feels now than he has all season, um, mm. and I think you can tell. He's not going to, he hasn't got the yak that he had last year, but you can tell that he can still shake open and be anyone. Obviously this week bills were down to their like fourth choice linebackers and the chiefs just exploited that, but that's what Andy Reid does. He'll just find whoever the weakest person is. And that's where Kelsey will, will, will line up. And the same will happen next Sunday. So yeah, he was great. Uh, obviously the red zone, first red zone catch for the touchdown was more on Mahomes because he used his eyes to move the safety. Mm. The second one was just a 34 year old that probably didn't want to, smash into three people on the screen, but he did it and scored. Um but yeah, he was really good. Um him and Mahomes obviously yeah six I think it's sixteen is it touchdowns now to set the record.
1: Yeah, uh, he's
0: four he's four touchdowns and six receptions away from the all time record in the playoffs over Jerry Rice. Mm. So there's a chance six receptions and a touchdown this weekend he gets close, if not beats those records. So yeah, hell of a game from him. Uh we'll see if he can do it next week against Carl Hamilton. Uh, I have a sneaky suspicion he will be able to do it, because this is just who he is as a person. Uh, I hope he doesn't retire, but like you said, he's a lock for the Hall of Fame. If he does retire, it'll probably be because him and his brother can go in as the first brothers ever, first time in five years, which would be pretty cool. Um, But knowing Jason Kelsey, if Travis says that to him, he'll say, no, just carry on playing if you want to play, don't worry about me. So yeah, We'll see. But it's a pretty cool storyline, and him and Mahomes definitely the best Duo ever, obviously I am biased, but <laughs> I just think best tight end to ever live. So including Gronk. So yeah, that they played well.
1: Certainly the best receiving tight end you could say, and uh, he's underrated at what he does in the ground game too as well. So uh, certainly, again, yeah, lot for Hall of Fame. Um, we'll go for the to the Bills now. Obviously they fall short again. You know they their postseason ended in the division round um, or later. Three times for the Chiefs now in five years, <laughs> which which is a uh, which is sort of bad luck of a draw you could say. But you know, obviously the issue isn't Josh Allen as you, as you mentioned earlier. That he's been so good, uh, and they had the run game this time too, which they've struggled. They've not had in in the postseason before. You know the injuries and defense of the Bills were piling up. How would you assess their season? And obviously, what do you think went wrong for them in this game?
0: Um injuries definitely impacted them have um, but they've never been able to stop the Chiefs in the playoffs. If you look at every game they're playing, Mahomes' best game every year is Bills in the playoffs. It's just,
1: mm.
0: yeah. So for me, I think head coaching was definitely an issue in this game. Uh, and so is offensive coordinating because I don't think you should spend the whole second half thinking, okay, right, the Chiefs, who've had a bad season on offense by their standards okay, they're going to score every time they touch the ball. So every possession we take has to take eight minutes, six minutes, which is all their plan was. I think you have to have it in the second half, the mindset of, right, we just have to score more points than the other team, not worry about the clock. Uh, and if you've got the second best quarterback in the world, someone who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer himself, to be honest, mm. I would imagine. Uh, I just don't think the game plan can be to worry about the clock that much. So that was an issue but for me, obviously the fake punt ooh, there's an argument. He said it after the game that he called it. I know in the booth they said there is an argument that if there's ten players, the players were just automatically audible to a fake punt, and maybe he just didn't want to throw his players under the bus. But if he did call it, I know it didn't matter in this game. But that was a stupid call. I think just, if you want to go for it on four for five, go for it with Josh Allen. He could probably run six yards, and then they've got the ball and they can they can go and score. So for me, I think it was more on Joe Brady and uh, Sean McDermott. Add in some injuries. And then unfortunately for for them as a franchise, they just haven't added any weapons consistently around Josh Allen for the last four years. Like This is the first year they've had a good draft of Kincaid and then Cook, but it's the year that Stefan Diggs falls off a cliff. So I think if you look, I I read a stat, it was something like the Packers have had eight top five round picks on receivers and tight ends in the last three seasons. The Bills have had two, and it's just like... (laughs) How are you ever going to get any weapons to play alongside your, your your players in that sense? This is the best offensive line they've had. Josh Allen had his best season on the ground. So yeah, for me, it was more GM just hasn't drafted well over the last two or four years. Uh, and then yeah, for this game specifically, I thought the head coach and offensive coordinator just didn't have the didn't have the right game plan. To be honest, um, but yeah, it's hard to go against. <laughs> it's like I think the Chiefs are their ghost, aren't they? They're the team that they just can't mm-hmm. beat, like the Bulls with. The Pistons back in the day in the NBA, but yeah, for me, I think it was more offensive coordinator and uh, head coach. I think if you blame Josh Allen, you just yeah, yeah, you just don't like Josh Allen because you love Joe Burrow or you love Herbert or you love Lamar. Uh, Because for me, it was the right play to go for the Shakira play. The issue was that Chris Jones got walked back into walked the tackle back into Josh Mm -hmm. Allen's lap, and he didn't have enough time. I don't think you can blame it there Uh, because he's wide open in the well, not wide open, but he's open enough in the end zone to score a touchdown. Um, but for me I think it's more the four or five plays before that where it's just run on first down. Spags is throwing everyone on the run, it's third and nine, third and nine, third and nine for three consecutive drives in a row and they still kept going with the run. So yeah, that's who I would blame on if I was a, a Bills fan.
1: Yeah, they've got an interesting offseason coming up because they, or yeah. well, they're a bit of cap hell. To, to you know to put it politely, because uh, they're one of the got over 40 million over the cap right now, uh, and they've got a load of free agents. You know, there's a chance that uh, because Stephon Diggs is an out for his contract this year, and uh, because Gabe Davis is a free agent, there's a chance to have entirely new receiving core next year, um, which is which is which is interesting. Um, but yeah, like I'm I'm just. I don't know what they. What would you do if you were if you were the, if you were Buffalo uh, this off season because you know, defensive you've got a lot of peasant defense that are free agents too. Um, yeah, certainly it's going to be some turnover, isn't there?
0: Yeah, it is difficult because Sean McDermott's done this a lot for me. These big games. Look at the thirteen second game where he didn't squib kick it and he kicks it out. And I don't think he's great at game management in the playoffs, to be honest. So. They shouldn't do this because they finished the second seed. But I do think their only answer is a bit of a fresh start in the head coach mm. position. But they won't do that. Um, I think I would hire a defensive coordinator with new ideas from a different scheme. Uh, so you've got my ideas if I'm the head coach and then I've got his ideas. They'll probably give Joe Brady the job, I would imagine. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But yeah, apart from that, I would just say the draft should be full of weapons mm. and secondary players because of how old their secondary is, that should just be all they draft this year. Uh, I would try and move on from a couple of players. Uh, I know that Michael Hyde has got a hell of a, I think it's $15 million savings if you cut him. Rasul Douglas, $10 million. Rasul Douglas played well, but you need money. So Mm. anyone like that, I would be cutting. The safeties could leave. I know that their contracts are up in two years, so you could cut those guys. I think for me, I would just go young and go in the secondary, go heavy on the weapons in free agency and uh, in the draft, and try and keep the core of the team as similar as possible because it's still really good. Uh, and then I would just hope that someone else beats the Chiefs in the playoffs like the Bengals did two years ago. Hmm. That's, I think that's their probably uh, their best shot. But um, Diggs, by the way, has got four years left. Oh, so, I, I yeah, think and they,
1: can't,
0: they can't cut can't him cut either. Him. They cut, oh. if they, yeah, if they cut him, they would... Have thirty-one million dollars in dead cap, so they can't do that. They can't cut Von Miller, which is one of the worst contracts in the NFL. So yeah, for me, well, he,
1: I saw a start of Von Miller. He cool. got paid fourteen million this year, and you got two million per tackle, and obviously zero sacks as well. So that's um, yeah, yeah, that's one of the yeah, worst. He a, yeah, he
0: actually had a good play in this game, but, but the whole season has been been kind of yeah nothing. So yeah, next year is going to be really hard for them because yeah. they would probably love to trade Digs get rid of Von Miller and then they've got loads of money where they can go at it, but they would lose money if they do that. So they have to wait a mm-hmm. year or two for both of those players. So for me, I would just go young in the draft or on receivers and uh, receivers and corners. Take my lumps. I'd have to keep Stefan Diggs. You have to keep Von Miller because you have to. Uh, and then I would just kind of get rid of some of the other older players in the team and just go again. If it's changed it on the coaching staff and make a difference because, yeah, there's not much else you can do. You're right. They are in there. Uh, they are in cap hell, which is good for your uh, your dolphins for the
1: future. The dolphins are in cap hell as well, though. So, so it'd be interesting to see what yeah. happens with both both of those teams. They're both over forty million over the cap, so it's uh, so, yeah, fascinating off season for both for both of those teams. And they've got a load. Both teams have got a load of free agents as well. So, I'm sure the Jets yeah. are sitting back there and absolutely loving that. But, um, should make the yeah. SE's race next year really interesting, at least.
0: Yeah, Bills have got Josh Allen though, so yeah it was in the way. end they'll always be they'll always be quite happy as a team one thing i would say as well just build a dome now come on the, the new stadium still isn't going to be a dome let's just change that get a dome josh allen in the dome no weather issues can throw it 70 yards every week we don't need to keep playing in cold weather and having to run the ball when our quarterback is fine throwing the ball in a dome but uh yeah you you are right the jets probably <laughs> looking at the whole division being like oh next year could be our chance but I think with Josh Allen, we could see the Bills still win this division for for a long time.
1: Awesome, and that's that's a good place to uh, to end the podcast. Uh, as as always, Liam, this is probably the last one we'll be on the podcast this season. So thank you for joining me uh, throughout the season. Uh, it's always it's been great. It's been great having you on, and uh, and yeah, well, I well, I bet you're hoping the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, aren't you? Yeah,
0: say so maybe if uh, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I might be on for a Super Bowl preview. Uh, so I'll be <laughs> hoping for that. But uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be on throughout the season uh this pod's always really really good really insightful the preview pod as well for anyone listening is always amazing so go listen to that because i know you'll be digging in deep for the preview of the fact there's only two games this week so your mm, your notes yeah. your notes will be like 10 pages of a4 probably going into that <laughs> game so uh uh yeah but it's been a pleasure to be on and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the championship games next weekend yeah i'm certainly
1: looking forward to them and and that's the that's the Well, that's the thing with championship games up because there's just two left. We're going to go really in-depth, as you said, uh, on on Friday on the podcast. So that'd be awesome. Uh, Yeah, that's it. That is, well, we've only got two weeks left of the NFL season really now. And that's uh, been a long, old season. I've been Sam Morris. This has been a full 10 yards NFL podcast. And I will see you on Friday as we preview those conference championship games. See you next time.